Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, everybody, it's Joe Trippy, and welcome back to That Trippy Show. This week, we finally have some movement on the Electoral Count Act. The GOP launches a new desperate rebrand. Alex, I just don't think that's going the way they planned it. And the New York and New York's attorney general filed a suit against Donald Trump. It's a 200 page smackdown alleging what most of us know to be true. He's a fraud. And there's a couple of other things, uh, special master action from the 11th Circuit. And hopefully we have some time for a few reader questions. Alex, where should we get started today? Well, I, I think we, we should definitely start with the Electoral Count Act. Um, not a ton, obviously, because it'll, it'll be a while before anything actually passes, but it might finally be headed to Joe Biden's desk. It just passed the House. I think the margin was 229 to 209, something like that. The Senate just got to 60 votes, and uh, Pat Toomey was the 60th vote. So anything surprise you there? Was it that big? How many, how many Republicans voted for it in the House? Nine. Well, so the the good news is we have an, uh, what looks to be uh, the possible passage of a electoral count act. The bad news is that literally everybody but nine Republicans in the House and and what could possibly be ten senator Republican senators. So there's like nineteen of them. They're not hell bent on the option of a coup. Apparently, again, building on that. That great 139 votes that uh, that didn't certify the election in the House. So we lost. Uh, we had 10 voted against the impeachment, and so we lost one somewhere here. And Kensinger's still in the House, so it wasn't him. Only nine House Republicans voted for Election Count Act, which would have at least made it restricted, you know, uh, state abilities to not certify. Uh, or send fake electors and things like that. So basically, 209 Republicans in the House said it was totally okay to have a coup. Yeah, wanted. exactly. And the only ones that stood up were either retiring or lost their primary. Nine of them. Nine. Right. That's it. And then there there was one that voted for impeachment and still didn't vote for this. <laughs> anyway, we'll get, we'll get on to uh, to other things, but. Um, before uh, we rush to be cynical about the GOP, isn't this kind of a big deal, though? I mean, in terms of like, I think it is because, you know, if you're if you're Fetterman, Beasley, Warnock, I think a lot of candidates out there on the Democratic side should be putting this to them right now, to, to their opponents, to, to Herschel Walker, who won't even know what the Electoral Count Act is. So he may be for it. <laughs> We, we we won't know, but there's, I mean, it sort of puts the heat on some of these candidates out there. And uh, by the way, particularly the incumbents uh, in these, thir- in the 32 toss-up seats, where there's a Republican incumbent right now, as I mean, as a campaign manager, I would be out there right now hitting them hard on voting against the Electoral Count Act. 
vast majority of Americans believe that you know how the uh, the majority in the state votes should get the uh, should get their electoral uh, college votes, and I think would uh, I think this this is another way to make clear in district after district and in key battleground states that this really is democracy on the ballot and the, all of them, all of them but nine in the House. And, and we'll see if the 10 hold in the Senate, because uh, there's going to be enormous pressure on them uh, one by one not to do it. You know, but that's it, nine. So in all those other districts, we should be hammering that this just shows how far the, the MAGA cult has control of the party and is hell-bent on keeping a coup attempt rolling. Joe, I want to get to that Republican rebrand attempt that you mentioned earlier, and I think you're right. I, I don't really think it's going to go anywhere. But uh, and this has to be what the third, the fourth time they've tried to do something this year, and, and none of them have worked out very well. Do you remember Rick Scott? <laughs> yeah. well, well, you had Rick Scott. Rick Rick Scott's. Hey, let's kill Medicare and Social Security. Oh, and by the way, uh, let's raise everybody's taxes because you need to have skin in the game, folks. Uh, so that was that was at least one or the first or second attempt, and that one's still out there. Yeah, I also think you had you you had McConnell's our candidate. Oh, that was son, I like that one. What uh, was out there? Yeah, that was out there too. Uh, it's still out there because they really do suck. The national abortion ban. Don't forget that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The national. Yeah, then you had Lindsey Graham. Yeah, weigh in with national abortion ban uh, after hey, it should be states that decide all this stuff for forty years. Uh, but now it's a you know let's go with national abortion ban, uh, something that the party's running away from that one. So they're running away from McConnell's our candidates suck. They're running away from Rick Scott's hey Medicare let's kill Medicare and Social Security uh, make a shot at taking them out every five years and sunset them. Oh and by the way we're going to raise taxes on people making less than fifty thousand a year because like. Everybody needs to have skin in the game. While, by the way, the party that gave the big tax cuts to the, to the to the wealthy, but anyway, they're running away from all of those things, right? Which are all true, by the way. I mean, they they are they, the whole intent is to ban abortion and to make it a national ban, you know, and, and to they they want to get they've always wanted to get rid of Social Security and Medicare. Uh, we've just never had somebody dumb enough to to make that a, a top agenda item. Uh, before an election, before and on top of that, to proclaim—I mean, I, I guess George Herbert Walker Bush did declare, "Read my lips, have you know, I, no raise taxes." You know, that was a, a big rallying cry, which he 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 too reneged on. But then, I've never seen anybody go out and say, "Yes, we will raise your taxes because you need to have skin in the game." So they're running all away from that, and that whole thing now that McCarthy is coming up with here. You know, in the last days, it's a complete joke, folks. I mean, our friends at the Lincoln Project beat him to the punch with a new video calling him out. We we should put a link to that in in the show notes. He's not even going to be speaker. No, it's going to be yeah, it's going to be Jim Jordan, Jordan, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. I mean, it's going to be one of the one one of the the folks out of the hundred and thirty nine that didn't certify the election. It'll be one of them. It's not going to be uh, and one of the more rabid ones. I mean, one of the ultra MAGA caucus because they control the majority of the Republican House caucus. Yeah, They're going to. We roll. saw that this week. 
Yeah, they're going to be one of their own. They're not going to do Kevin McCarthy. He he's a joke in their minds. So they'll let him go mouth this stuff, but it's not, none of it's going to happen. And it and it's all platitudes. We will be strong. <laughs> you know, it's it's just yeah, okay. But you know, it it really is. It's just desperate. It's just so clearly desperate to run away from all the all the stuff that that the the previous agendas and things that. McConnell and Rick Scott and Lindsey Graham, thank you very much. I mean, they, they're they all helping to make clear just how crazy this party is. And McCarthy's not right. going to save it from that. He's one of them. But he's kind of like, you know, his own caucus doesn't respect him anymore. I mean, let's like face it. It's just not going to happen. He's not going to be the speaker. I mean, he's not going to be the speaker because we're going to kick their ass, hopefully. Uh, and that's going to be tough. And it's going to, and we still have to do all the work. But But even if they somehow, eke it out and, 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 and get into the majority. Kevin McCarthy's out of his mind if he thinks he's actually going to be the Speaker of the House. Not going to happen. Well, and, and even a really narrow GOP majority would mean basically that the Freedom Caucus has a ton of power. So all the crazies are the ones that are going to be, I mean, he, there's no moderating influence happening either way here. Well, yeah, well, Kevin, Kevin McCarthy will stand in front of the the freight train to impeach to impeach Joe Biden. Yeah, <laughs> he'll 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 be lead. That's what, even if he is, he'll be doing whatever crazy nutcase stuff they want him to do. It's not going to be wait wait wait. Let's be serious here, folks. Right. Uh, that's not going to happen. They're not serious about anything except about except dividing destruction power and um, you know and, and really doing the things they've talked and that you're seeing being done in state after state. With you know on, on abortion rights on a lot of across the board, get ready for it because it'll be you know attacks on all people's privacy rights. It won't stop with 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 women. They're going for it all, and he will be. He's not going to step in front of that parade train. He'll be he'll be you know w- with a drum pounding and leading the parade. Right. Well, the one kind of really crazy thing that I think a lot of people might not have thought about is Ukraine. And Chris Murphy brought this up in a pretty good op-ed in the post, and we'll put a link to that in the notes too, but how real is the threat that if the GOP wins the House, are they just going to cut Ukraine off? Well, we know, look, most of them were rooting for for Putin, right? I mean, when this started out, it's a very uh, real possibility, and we, we shouldn't pretend otherwise, right? I mean, 57 Republicans voted no on the May Ukraine aid package, 57. And for the record, that was when like the whole world was like pro-Ukraine. Right. And they still found a way to vote no. Right. You know, but then you have the, the ultra magas who would be in charge like Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene, Gosar and all, all, the, all are on the record being pro-Russia and anti-Ukraine. I mean, Gosar said, uh, Ukraine is not our ally. Russia is not our enemy. I mean, well... You know, if you're—that makes complete sense, by the way, if you want to do an authoritarian coup, right? Because if you want to do authoritarian coup and you want you want to join ranks with Putin and Xi and those guys, or the dictators in Venezuela and or, or socialists in Venezuela and uh, the what, remnants of the Castro regime in Cuba, if that's like really excites you, then of course Ukraine's not our ally and, and Russia's not our enemy. It's our—it is our ally if you're these guys. And what you know, what's fascinating to me is like I, I saw last night a uh, couple of things on Ukraine. After Putin announced the mobilization, 
the what happened was the first thing I noticed was uh, Heather Cox Richardson wrote in her letter uh, to Americans post that she puts out. The first thing that happened after he did that was that uh, ticket prices, airline ticket prices out of Russia rose dramatically off the charts because of the thousands of people suddenly trying to flee Russia because they were going to be put uh, on the front lines. You're drafted, yeah. And then you saw the protesters who were on the streets who were arrested and immediately put in uniform and, and, and are going to be put in the military. Now, wait, the fascinating thing, though, was the scenes of Russians pouring to the Finland, to the border of Finland, trying to desperately escape the dictator Putin, which, by the way, is exactly what's happening for the all the Cubans, Venezuelans, and others, a lot of them, who are fleeing Central and South America. Why, what were those Russians doing? They're, they're fleeing uh, a horror and what a dictator is going to do enforcing this war and what he's done to the, to the Ukraine. It is the same thing that's happening with people from, Ca from Castro's Cuba, uh, from Venezuela, from uh, Nicaragua, from Daniel Ortega. These are the same things. These people are fleeing the same kind of things that these Russian citizens are suddenly forced to flee into Finland. And of course, the Republicans won't kick you. Putin's our, our friend. He's not our enemy. Ukraine's not our ally. And by the way, we should just let Russia roll over. Well, that's not going to happen. And why isn't that going to happen? Because Biden has actually put the entire alliance that, uh, that Trump tried to blow up with NATO and other places, he's put those alliances back. He's, they're holding. By the way, there's a, as much pain as there is here. There's enormous pain in, in uh, Europe, particularly coming this winter. But they're holding. And I think, uh, and by the way, yeah, so get back to your question. If the Republicans are in charge uh, and they start pulling out, I mean, basically declaring Putin's great, Europe won't hold. There's no way it will. It's, it's being held together because of Biden and the State Department and American leadership that many doubted whether that was going to be restorable quickly enough after, after Donald Trump. But it certainly will not be if the Republicans take power and then and then start asserting this craziness from the ultra MAGA crowd that Ukraine's not our ally and and we're not gonna we're not gonna treat Russia as an enemy. They're 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 crazy. So Joe, I want to want to get back to kind of where we're thinking right now. The overall state of of the races as we're heading into the home stretch. As we're recording this, we're less than seven weeks out. A lot of people will probably listen to this over the weekend, but. I mean, this is definitely the home stretch, but a few more signs of, of positive momentum. A anything that, that you wanted to see that you were tracking this week? Well, I mean, look, it, it, these, these races are all going to tighten, uh, but the Cook Report has moved eight races in the Democrats' favor in the past 20 days. None for Republicans, three for Democrats just this week alone, Arizona 1, Arizona 2, and Texas 28. And what you're seeing, I think, is, again, sort of that continued momentum that came out of Kansas on the, on the uh, abortion uh, amendment vote, I mean, the initiative. You're seeing, I think, continued evidence that women, younger people, you know, that there's a bigger, there's a more energized group uh, that was, one, energized by the Dobbs decision of the Supreme Court. But again, I still think it's some of this, the stuff that's happening. That, 
what what Republicans are saying. I mean, how, the, the nominees that they're they're nominating, you know, are, are too extreme, and these positions that they have. So I think all this is starting to line up, and we're seeing again uh, continued evidence of that, as you see what the Cook report's done. No recent national polls have showed any movement at all towards Republicans. Generic. Uh, our uh, polls, are, you know, in terms of House uh, and, and uh, Democrats and Republicans, is still showing uh, Democratic mo momentum there. Democrats have gained in the Rasmussen, Fox News, Morning Consult, and others. I think that's, again, a sign that that movement's still happening. I think it'll stabilize, though. I mean, we have to understand at some point here, the undecideds are going to stay, or, you know, they'll be so small, but they'll stay, that group will stay undecided. And one of the things you know about, uh, you know, if you're a, a campaign manager, is that you start to look at what's happening underneath with undecideds, and there, there's going to be one of two decisions. Generally, they'll either stay home, or they've already made a decision that they're voting against the incumbent. So in a in a place where, and the the Republicans have more incumbents that that they need to protect right now than than Democrats do. Uh, in the House in particular. Yeah, so that as we get closer, the margin, what I'm saying is the generic may stay the same, you know, a two, three point lead by, by, the Demo by Democrats nationwide. But in these individual seats, if, you're, if you've got an incumbent under 50 and the undecideds, you know, that vote, generally they'll tend to vote against the incumbent, whether, whether that incumbent's Democrat or Democratic. Uh, Party or, or Republican Party, they'll 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 tend to vote against the the incumbent. I think in the House, that's a a reason another reason why we may. I mean, there's two things that could happen here. One, that's a reason we may win the, a, a lot of those and uh, defeat a lot of the Republican uh, incumbents and toss up seats. On the other hand, they only have to win five or six of those seats, and we yeah, have incumbents. Yeah. And could that move against us at the last, you know, in the last, it'd be as these undecideds move. Part of that too is it's easier for an incumbent uh, with ammunition to cast doubt on, at the end on the unknown challenger. So you'll, you'll see in a lot of ways, like, War well, Herschel Walker's well known, but you'll see in some of these races where it's just, all it takes is some doubt, and they'll still stay with their incumbents. So there's a lot of things here. It's a big chess game now the rest of the way. The one thing I think that matters is all of us making sure that we're turning every pro-democracy uh, voter out there to fight this stuff. It really taking advantage of this energy that's out there and making sure it keeps working for us. But, you know, you look at uh, in stuff, even in, in Georgia, where uh, the poll came out with Walker leading Warnock, there are a whole bunch of high quality polls that came out with Warnock having, you know, six, five and two point leads. So it, these are all going to be tight. But in the end, I think, uh, and by the way, I do think you can cast doubt on Herschel Walker at the end of this. So th this is what I'm trying to say. There's a, it's a chess game. It's how close are they? Is there an incumbent? Do we have the incumbent? Or is the incumbent near 50? If so, that helps the incumbent. If they're, if they're well below 50, like what you start seeing with people like Grassley in Iowa is a good example. Someone like him who's been around forever and is under 50 right now. He's at like 48. Yeah. And yeah. those undecideds, t uh, trust me, they may not know who Mike Franken is yet, 
but they know Chuck Grassley and they've made a decision. They really don't want to vote for him. That's why he's a, under, under 50. So when you start seeing that, and then and the last point I'll make, and then I'll let you, you jump in here, is when you look at what is energizing, you know, the, the Navigator poll just came out and it, it again affirms that Americans that identify as pro-choice continue to be significantly more motivated to vote due to Roe v. Wade, Dobbs' decision, being over, you know, the decision to overturn it, than pro-life Americans. Overall, majority of Americans, 57%, report feeling more motivated to vote in November following the Supreme Court's decision uh, to overturn Roe. But motivation is the highest among pro-choice Americans, 71%, compared to only two in five pro-life Americans. And by the way, again, that that's already of a, you know, in a place where the 57, no, so you have 57% of America feels strongly about this, you know, you know, that they're motivated about it. And then on top of that, so you have that percentage is pro-choice, 71% of them compared to two and five pro-life Americans. So it's a much different uh, you, you know, way to look at at the motivation and energy out there. That I think is again likely to that's what helped up in New York 19 with Ryan versus uh, Molinaro. I think this and again I keep saying this, we keep saying it, but there friends, there are 222 districts in America, congressional districts in America that are have higher Democratic performance than New York 19, and Ryan outperformed Biden there. So there's definitely this decoupling is still happening. Uh, away, it's not an election about Biden's approval rating, uh, these other factors like Dobbs and the crazy MAGA Republican cult is out there and continues to do the crazy, as Alex and I like to say. So no, I, I still feel, look, I would put it this way. Right now, I agree with 538s. I think they're saying there's a 71% chance that the, the U.S. Senate will remain in, in a in the hands of the majority of the Democrat, Democratic Party will be in the majority and maybe gain one or two seats. I totally disagree with them. I think they're, they're on the House side. I think they're saying it's like a 30-something percent chance that Demo Democrats can hold the House. I, I, I've said it, I think, a, a show or two ago, but I, I still think, I still remain believing that it's a 50-50 thing. I mean, there's a 50% chance we end up with the, with the majority. There's a 50% chance they have a slight one. Uh, which again just makes keeps making the point we have to keep doing the work. Do not let up. Go to jointheunion.us or get involved in, a, in locally in a, in a House and Senate race or Senate race that matters or governor's race. And more importantly, or just as importantly, really pay attention down ballot. There was a John Ralston in Nevada uh, wrote a piece about uh, uh, some focus groups there uh, that he was uh, witnessed that showed. Uh, that, that people were very focused on the Senate and the governor's races there uh, that were very tight within a point or two either way. But that what's, what scared him, what, what, what was really alarming was um, with a real election denier mega cult person running for secretary of state, which will decide how votes are counted, all those kinds of things, there was no, no one knew anything about any of the candidates. And so if you're pro-democracy, a voter out there, and you're going, or a Democrat, and you're going, or an independent swinging Democrat, or a former Republican, uh, or just somebody, a Republican who's decided to date uh, a pro democracy Democrat for one election cycle, we'll take, we, 
we need that too. But if you're any of those people, vote all the way down the ballot. Make sure you go all the way down. Do not walk out after you vote for governor and, or senator or Congress. Make sure you vote for these down ballot, particularly secretary of state. There's a big drop off in these races, and that's where we can make up a big difference because some of them will drop off too. But the MAGA cult probably will vote all the way down. The question I really want to get a tattoo of is, are the polls wrong is the wrong question. And, and you got into it, but I think the most important point you made was, and this gets back to your thing on the choice versus referendum election. First, if you're challenging an incumbent, you have to get voters to say, okay, I want to fire the person that's there already. Right. Then the second thing, and they still have to answer this question too, if they fire them, is it okay if they hire me? Right. And you have to get both of those questions right. And I think you pointed out New York 19 shows, even if you want to fire the Democrat, which they didn't, the alternative is crazy. Right. And replacing that with crazy is not a palatable choice for a lot of voters. Right. No, that's why, th that's why this isn't a, the usual referendum election on the president and the party in, in, in power. Uh, if that were the case, that's what I'm saying. With Bi Biden's numbers, by the way, have improved dramatically. He's up, uh, I think, 11 points in his approval rating. But, but you know, uh, uh, you, you know, if if this were that kind of an election, with Biden being you know in the 30s in approval in Pennsylvania, there's no way Fetterman would it wouldn't wouldn't just be that he ha wouldn't have a lead, he wouldn't be in it. I mean, that's just the way that that works. That's not happening. It's not happening in any of these, uh, including Ohio, uh, particularly in Ohio. You, it's a Republican state. Come on, uh, it, with Biden being in the 30s there uh, with approval, there's no way Tim Ryan should be competitive there. So. That's also happened. That's what I, I keep saying about these house races. Same thing. Those battleground 32 toss up seats are toss up places. They're not, you know, districts that were drawn so a Republican or a, or a Democrat was assured they would win them. But to get to your point, look, um, a, a simple way to think about this is if you've been working with somebody for eight years in your office and they, you know, you're not so sure they're doing that great a job, but you, you know, you, you know them. You're familiar with them, and someone sends you a resume that you've never heard, you know, never heard of the person. They send you a resume saying, "Hey, I want Frank's job," and that's you know that's how they come at. I want Frank's job. The odds are that the first thing you got to decide is you're gonna you want to fire that person that you've been working with for eight years, because that happens first before you decide whether the person you're going to hire in their place is Frank. And so what I think's happened here is, to your point, a lot of these MAGA and kind of the, the, the people that are in these toss-up places are the people are make the reason they're in these, you know, below 50 and in these, you know, what are target taught that where Cook is saying this seat's a toss-up is because people genuinely have already decided or are deciding they, they don't want that. They, they're, yeah, I've known you, but I'm looking around. And so uh, there's two end games to this. The, what, what, what you'll see these incumbents doing is attacking the living daylights out of the challenger who you barely know, and sometimes making up crap, right? Just to put doubt up in the air. But the, the level of doubt they've got to raise to overcome the crazy, I think is a level higher than anything I've ever seen. In other words, like there's, 
it's one thing you're in a close race and you 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 just differ on opinions about uh, about climate change or something you know, you know something that, that that that's out there. But when you're in a party right now that is literally being seen as so so extreme, and when they're they're you've got people doing national abortion bans and things like that, and people have decided no, I don't want any of that. These challengers, Democratic challengers, I think it's going to be harder to smear them with he's a socialist or she's, a, you know, it's it's just I don't think it's going to work. We'll see. But also, I think it's you also have to overcome that energy of those women and younger voters who I think are going to make a big difference in this election. You're going to have to overcome a lot, create a hell of a lot of doubt for those people right? to say, no, 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 I'm going to forget about that you want to ban abortion. Because you say he wants to raise my taxes or whatever the the the, the just dumb you, you know uh, attack will be because it's going to be a dumb desperate attack and that'll work with MAGA folks but not with not with uh, right and there's less of them than there are of us yeah so. exactly so Joe we're we're running close to time but I do want to get to a reader question and can I wait I just want to say one thing because we get, sometimes we get complaints about why do you guys always say you're running out of time uh, so I want to address this right. We, we, we know when you listeners stop listening. And it's really interesting, but after about 30 minutes, even our most ardent listeners stop, start to drop off. I think that probably may have something to do with commute time or your morning walk or whatever. So we try to keep these around 30 minutes. We sometimes go, you know, 40, but we try to be uh, respectful of your time and that you're giving us to, to talk. And I just wanted to explain that because there's a, there's a reason Alex goes <laughs> towards the end of the show. Hey, we know we could keep talking forever. We got that, but that that's not you know. We know we also know how long you know people listen, and there's def, definitely you know we've noticed that after about thirty minutes, um, it starts to to really drop off. So anyway, I'm sorry, Alex. Go go back at it. And now I just used up two minutes of our time. Yeah, before you, before, yeah, before you filibuster the rest of our time today, I do want to hit uh, the new lawsuit that Tish James filed today against Trump at Thursday when we're recording this. And we got a couple of reader questions that I, I thought kind of condense. Basically, is this one actually going to stick? Will this one actually mean anything? Why should this one be any different? Well, yeah, the first thing I'd say is you have to remember uh, the whole reason Trump's charity Foundation does not exist anymore was because of a suit that Tish James brought and proved and took that out. It, it doesn't exist. They can't be. Uh, in a lot of ways, it almost mimics this because I, I think it forbids them from being involved in a New York chair, you know, in in a charity or a foundation in in New York. Any of them. In a lot of ways, this this suit sort of mimics exactly what she did there. To one, prove that they that they were doing unethical and illegal. You know, I don't know if it was illegal. I don't remember what exactly uh, what the uh, the case was, but I do remember distinctly that was the case that shut that thing down um, and and removed them from the ability to to run a charity or foundation again. So when you see them her her making that exact same or very similar case to make sure that they cannot operate a business in New York along the same lines with her ability, the case she made, the facts she gathered for the, the charity case. I, I, yeah, I think this one's going to stick. I think 
this one's going to happen. I don't think she would bring it, particularly knowing exactly what they would say about it's a witch hunt, all that other stuff. I don't think she would bring this unless she had the goods like she had the first time. Right. Well, and and I, I think Maggie Haberman tweeted this, but essentially this lawsuit, and it is a civil suit, but this opens up a ton of other possibilities that are, if if you're a member of the Trump organization, are, are a little scary. I, she tweeted, Trump was never going to get indicted as a sitting president, and the Southern District of New York didn't really appear to be going very far into looking into it. But the James referral gives them a second bite now that he's out of office, should they take that path. Yeah. And I think one, I think Maggie's right. I don't always think she's right, but I think on this she is. And I think that uh, one, they should take this path. And I think that James, again, her referral uh, does give him a second bite. So look, I I think this is, you know, look, it hasn't been a great week at all. I mean, you had the 11th Circuit uh, give DOJ total access to the 100 uh, uh, marked classified documents, you know, overruling uh, the lower court decision. I mean, the crazy lower court decision by the judge, you know, that could get appealed. But I, I think that, that he's dead there. Uh, it's not going anywhere. And that, that case is going to continue to move forward. I think this case is problematic. And you got Georgia. There's it, all of them are starting to really move at a ferocious pace. And I think James, again, I think she's she's done this. I mean, she she's gotten them for very similar things by going through these kind the documents and everything and building the case. I don't think she would do this unless she built that same case. And that's what I'm saying. You, you still have, you know, like I said, I mean, you know, you've got the, the, the people like the 11th Circuit. These were two Trump judges and one Obama judge, the three of them, you know, overturning Judge Cannon's. Yes, she was a Trump judge uh, appointment. You know, her ruling in the classified you know, docs at Mar-a-Lago but these three judges, again, two for Trump, two Trump judges. I mean, I'm not talking about who they were for, but in terms of who appointed them, Trump and Obama judges, they had the majority. The Trump judges had a majority here. It was unanimous that she was offered, you know, that this didn't make sense. And, and you know, I think pretty damning ruling for Trump and a big victory for the, the DOJ. So you have that happening at the same time here. With uh, with Tish and, and, and the attorney, you know, as Attorney General of New York, Tish James has, I think, uh, one, it's a marker. This is not somebody right. who f- who who files things frivolously and loses. She's filed serious stuff against the Trump family and won. And she's won. And so yep. I think that's the the big the big mark there. You know, it, before we wrap up, I do want to just quote Charlie Sykes in his newsletter at the Bulwark today. And I thought the end of it was really good. Trump now finds himself besieged by multiple investigations from election interference. That's the Georgia one fomenting an insurrection, obviously June 6th to obstruction and espionage. In the end, though, like Al Capone, it may be the tax man who gets them. Yeah, no, I mean, she's referred this to IRS, too. You know, I mean, it's I think uh, Sykes is right. And the you know the most amazing thing about that sentence was we talked about a ton of cases that he's up for, not one of them we didn't mention the fomenting of an of an insurrection, which is maybe the right. the, the biggest. Uh, I mean, it is biggest. It's, you know, it's traitorous. But that's my point. I mean, I just think that this these are all moving 
kind of like, I know we think they're moving slowly, but I think they're starting to move at like near freight train speed here. And I think he's badly damaged, uh, certainly not with the, you know, the vast MAGA base, but I think with enough, you see independence moving, I think, you know, pretty strongly. They, They tend to identify in a midterm with one party or the other. You can, which by the way, when you're in a, a uh, referendum election on the incumbent president and his party, they almost always tend to start to identify with the opposite party, the opposing party. They, they start, they're, they're not Republicans, they're not Democrats, they're, they become like dem- independents leaning more Republican. There are no signs of it. The, everything is the absolute opposite. The, all the signs are as independents are leaning, particularly independent women, are leaning pretty strongly to the Democratic Party right now. That, if it actually shows up and happens on election day with the uh, energy that we've been talking about caused by Dobbs and and this craziness and these Trump troubles uh, that make it even tougher to say he's he's a, you know, that was all tourists and all that, all the garbage, stupid stuff that they, no, my favorite was him saying that if a president just thinks he thinks it in his mind that he's un, he's not classified, he's declassified something, it's declassified. Uh, that was Trump's latest explanation. I mean, they're all crazy. So no, I think it will be, uh, it could be like Al Capone. It'll be the tax people that get him. But there are plenty of other things here that he's gonna he's gonna be under the you know under fire for, and I don't think they're going away. All right, Joe. That is actually all the time we've got today. Oh, thanks, everybody, for listening to that trippy show. Thanks, Alex, for keeping us moving. We'll be back next week. Please subscribe to that trippy show and leave a review on Apple or wherever you listen. You can always send us a question to that trippy show at gmail.com or leave us a question in a review on iTunes. We'll see you next week. By the way, we may have a special guest for you next week. You'll really want to tune in. Trust me on this one. We're pretty close to make to, to making sure that we're going to be able to tape that session and you'll really want to tune in. Thank you. Take care. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.